Hello, party people. Welcome back. This is Kayla. I'm Kayla. <laughs> and like every other day, I hope today was fucking bomb. If it wasn't, it's gonna get better because this is Black Tree Crack. Hi guys and welcome back. This is Kayla. Welcome to another another week of hanging out with me. <laughs> but no seriously, thanks for coming. I've missed you guys. It's been what? A couple days? I'm not sure. Either way, we're here and we're doing the damn thing. So today, this is a special, special, special day. And I said it three times because one, today is a fucking bonus episode. <laughs> Woo! It's a bonus episode because we finally reached 100 followers. I'm really fucking lit about it. Another applause. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Obviously, I'm in a celebratory mood. I got my wine next to me. I got my, what's this called? This is called a bubba. I got my bubba of water. I'm ready to get this thing fucking shaken. So, let's get into it. 100 followers. Thanks, guys. Super happy. Um, And because of that, I actually decided to do this episode, which is not actually about like a killer, which is, you know, sad for me, honestly, because you guys know, if you know anything from my intro, I fucking hate anything that's not soft, okay? I need this to be soft. I need to know what's going on. I hate not knowing. Um, Luckily for us, this case has a lot going on, so I'm not too, like, you know, what about it? But this case was actually recommended by one of our fucking listeners, and she's awesome. Um. I told her she actually recommended like three cases because she's just that bitch. Um, Shout out to Camille Williams, 7349. But I decided to choose one to do today. And this is the case of Phoenix Coldone. I don't know how to pronounce her last name that well. I'm not going to make it a habit um, of doing it throughout this episode. So you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, anything else today that I need to say? Yes. Oh my gosh. So one, a hundred followers. Fuck yeah. Two, this episode was recommended by a follower. Even fucking better. And three, this case actually is centered kind of close to near where I was raised majority of where I was raised. I moved around a whole bunch. So remember at the beginning of my intro where I told you guys, well, I'm sorry, my, yeah, my intro, my introduction episode. Remember when I was telling you guys that I'm going to unveil more information about myself as the podcast goes on? Well, here's another thing. I grew up in St. Louis, St. Louis, Missouri, where the arches, people, where the arches, not people not many people know too much about it outside of the arch or the fucking cardinals shout out to them winning a world series what two years ago three years ago can't remember whatever not a baseball person but yeah 
So that's a fun fact about me. So not too much important things. Actually, I had no important things besides the fact of, yeah, 100 followers. Woot, fucking woot. And other than that, let's get down to fucking business because we're on a time crunch because it is Sunday and I'm watching Power. I don't know about you. So let's get into it. All right. All right. Let's get started. So, like I said, this episode, special shout out to Miss Camille, is recommended by a follower. And this has to do with the disappearance of Phoenix Coldon. So, 23 year old Phoenix Coldon pulled out the driveway of her family home on December. 18th, 2011, never to be seen again. Her car was found less than three hours later on the side of an East St. Louis street, completely abandoned. It's been almost eight years and there still has been no sign of Phoenix. Join us as we look at the life, the secrets, the botched investigation, and the disappearance of Phoenix Coldong. All right, so... Phoenix Goldome, she was a lively character. Um, she was born, originally born in California. Um, but shortly after that, her family, meaning her mother, um, relocated to China. Sorry, no. <laughs> relocated to East St. Louis. Um, and now giving you guys a little bit of background because I'm from St. Louis, St. Louis, not East St. Louis. So St. Louis is actually located in Missouri. While East St. Louis is actually over the Mississippi River located in Illinois. And East St. Louis is not a place you want to fucking be, ladies and gentlemen, like ever. You only go there unless you're doing some shit that you're probably not supposed to be doing. And that's just keeping it real. So yeah the difference. Um, Goldia Coldon was her mother and she, there wasn't really much mention about her father, like her biological father. I guess he wasn't really in her life, but her mother did have a man in her life that she did end up marrying. And his name was Lawrence Coldon. And they both loved that little girl, um, Phoenix. They loved her so much. And Lawrence loved her enough to even give her his last name. So she was a little baby cold on and her um, name was changed. Like I said, to Phoenix cold on from Phoenix Reeves and Reeves was her father's name, which is a nice thing that her mother gave her, her father's last name, even though he's clearly a piece of shit from my standpoint, biased opinion, obviously. So um, growing up, her home life was super religious and super strict. Um, she was homeschooled on top of that. So just fucking imagine. Homeschool kids was always were always considered to be weird. But you always kind of like envied them because they didn't have to fucking go to school. So they just learned a couple. I don't know. I always thought homeschooled kids like learned for like 45 minutes at the crib and then like got to play and do fun things the rest of the day. Boy, was I wrong because just not realistic and honestly not effective. So she was homeschooled, but apparently she loved it, according to her parents. I mean, you know, she excelled. She was great at learning. She loved to learn. That was her thing. Um, She excelled and was able, she excelled so much in like her school stuff. She was able to do other things. So she was able to learn 
um, a lot of different instruments. She was extremely um, talented, but she favored the piano. So even though, like I said, she was able to learn different instruments, she did have her favorite, which was the piano. And that's something I will never fucking learn to play because it causes me to have hand-eye coordination, and I do not. She also loves competitive fencing, which is something that's totally out of the blue or out of the ordinary, I would say, for black kids to be fencing. Let's be real. We're not, we're not fencing, you know? So the fact that she was a competitive fencer and on top of that, a junior like champion, that's pretty fucking badass, girl. Go ahead, Phoenix. Um, so she was, like I said, she was homeschooled and she went on to attend the University of Missouri at St. Louis, which is in St. Louis, Missouri. Holla at your girl. Um, while she was there, she lived in an apartment with a friend. And it was her first time away from home. I mean, obviously, it's a fucking culture shock. I mean, just everything. It's just a huge shock to her her system, I'm sure. And um, she had a good time. So we hear. And so we will hear later on in the episode. Okay. <laughs> so six months before she disappeared, unfortunately, and I say this from the bottom of my heart for her, as a junior in college, okay, a junior in college, she had to move back home. Now, just take a moment to think about that, like how that feels. You were homeschooled your whole fucking life. 18, you move out, you go live in an apartment, you're at school, you have all this freedom, you can do basically whatever the fuck you want because nobody has their thumb up your ass. And then at 23 years old, you have to go back home and move in back with your parents. So yeah. Not really hard to understand where the shitty relationship and the shitty dynamic of her parents and hers relationship will get fucking worse. So on December 18th, 2011, it was a typical Sunday in the Coldone home. Phoenix went to church with her mother, Goldia, and she played the handbell and choir, which was super typical, so I hear. Um, her mother said, And now that she thinks about it, and this was obviously after um, her disappearance, they were arguing so much lately. Like, their arguments were so bad to the point that it wasn't really easy to put them to bed anymore. You know how kind of when you're first growing up, you have your arguments with your parents, whatever, and it's kind of like settled quick and easy. Not quick and easy, but just a lot simpler than as you get older and become an adult. Yeah. Yeah. That's what her family was going through, her parents were going through with her. And she said it was just very, very difficult. And the arguments were just getting more drawn out and less likely to be resolved. So her mother said that this day, Phoenix actually had a conversation with her and told her that she wanted to work on their relationship and to get back to how they used to be, which I think is fucking sweet. Because I couldn't imagine just being at my mother's throat all the time. I fucking love her. Bye. Um, shout out to mom. <laughs> but yeah, so which obviously it stuck out, stuck out to her mom, you know, and it made her, I don't know, it just warmed her heart a little bit, which is, which is totally cool. So now after church, there are a few accounts as to how the rest of Phoenix's day went. So one account says that they got home from church around 2 p.m., She changed her clothes. She went outside to play a little bit of basketball, which, hey, do your thing, girl. I would have definitely been fucking stuffing my face with something at the church. But, hey, 
you do you, boo. Um, and then after she played basketball, she went and sat in her car on her phone, which they said was pretty normal for her. You know, just to send your phone, text, do stuff. My mom does that. She'll sit her phone for like an hour in the garage with it open, car off, you guys, relax. Um, just like scrolling and stuff. So kind of normal. And around 3 p.m., they said she just backed the fuck out of the driveway and just left <laughs> without really much of any type of notice. So that's one account. And then another account says that she got home from church at 2 p.m. She hung out basically in her room. So I'm guessing she like changed her clothes and stuff while she was in there. And then around 3 p.m., she walked up to her car, walking straight past her pappy. Mr. What? Leonard? No, that's not his name. <laughs> Mr. Lawrence? Yeah, walked straight past Mr. Lawrence without saying a damn thing and just left. So this is like 3 p.m., you know, in the afternoon. Her parents just assume she's like going to the gas station or going to hang out for a bit. Nothing like fucking crazy, you know, because she knew she couldn't spend the night anywhere. Like I said, I don't know if I mentioned this, but like when she moved back in the house, they were just as strict and like religious and just kind of controlling as they were when she was living there as a kid, which as a 23 year old woman, you're probably going to want to fucking shoot yourself. So like, I get it, you know? I get the frustration. So, yeah, I digress. So anyway, whatever account, you know, whatever, either way, it was agreed on. She left the house around 3 p.m. So like I said, her parents just assumed she was going to do something really quick, nothing too fucking nutty. She would be back well before, you know, nighttime as far as being having them having to worry about her. But that's not how it happened. Um, around midnight, her parents started to like really say, okay, something's off. Something's wrong. This is not like her, but trying to be considerate parents, trying to give her a little bit of space because she is 23 years old. They were like, okay, we're just going to give her some more time, whatever. So when they woke up the next morning and they still didn't see Phoenix or her car in the driveway at all, they were like, there's a problem fucking you can't tell me shit about that like there's a problem with my daughter and I need to figure out what the fuck it is so they start calling around everywhere they're calling hospitals they're calling family they're calling friends they're calling basically everybody that they can because this is just not like phoenix but they had no fucking luck which is you know really sad so after not having any luck locating her um you know, just through family and friends and things of that nature, they decided to call the police. So on December 19th, 2011, which was the next day, her parents officially called the police. And as soon as the police fucking got there and basically heard that she was 23 years old and that she was black, I'm just speculating, you guys, just speculating. Um, They kind of didn't give too much of a fuck, unfortunately. And it was especially in the first 24 hours, like she hadn't really been gone that long. She is an adult. You know what I'm saying? Like the police, it's kind of hard to fault them because, you know, they have so many other things going on and stuff. So I kind of can understand it. But at the same time, it's like, it just fucking sucks. It really does. It sucks because something could have been done. So in the police's opinion, 
and to no surprise to fucking anyone breathing, Phoenix left on her own volition because she probably just did not want to live with her parents anymore. You know? I mean, I get that. I'm 24 and I would be, I would probably want to shoot myself if I had to live with my parents again. You know, but still, it's like, don't jump to conclusions. You know, you don't know the girl. So all they did with the family, despite the the family's pleas and just, you know, trying to communicate to them that something was wrong. All they did was take the report. So they did take the report and they ran her plates. They ran the plates that, you know, were on her car, the black SUV. And that's it. So two weeks later, though, because of the police's inability to communicate with each other, the police will find out that 5.30 p.m., that at, I'm sorry, around 5.30 p.m. on the day of her disappearance, so on December 18th, um, her car was found just hanging out all by its lonesome on the side of a road in East St. Louis, which, like I said, is technically Illinois and not Missouri. And how I said it's super fucking sketchy and super dangerous out there and you really don't want to be out there unless you're into some sticky icky. Yeah. That's where it is. And plus, it was like 30 minutes from her house, you know, so it just wasn't. And her friends, everyone said it's just not a place that she would have been. So super, super sketchy. Um, Like I said, according to, well, I didn't say this already, so I'm going to tell you now and listen good. According to one source, the police officer that replied to the call said that the keys were in the ignition, the car was still running, and the driver's side door was wide open. Now, given this explanation, if I heard this, if I saw this as a police officer, I'd be like, okay, ding, 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 red fucking flag, what the fuck is going on? You know, especially with the car being left. And it's kind of like, what, broad daylight at this point? I'm not sure, like, what time the call was. Um, but, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, 5.30. 5.30, so it's during, it's during the day. Um it's still light out. Come on now. No one just leaves their car in the middle of anywhere or even on the side of any road with the doors open, key in the ignition, car still running in this fucking neighborhood. I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, don't fucking think so. So, yeah, that's probably not logical. But another source claims that apparently the car was locked up. I mean, the doors were closed. The car wasn't running. Um, it was parked on St. Clair. He even said, which is the police officer, the person that spoke directly to the officer, he said that the officer said the car just looked like it may have run out of gas or something. So it was basically just like a super idle, just like abandoned car, right? Well, which one's the truth? We don't know. Well, you don't know at this point in the <laughs> podcast. So, um, but like I said, I don't honestly, I don't know which one to believe. But the one that makes the most sense is the one where the doors were closed and the car wasn't running because if the police saw that the car was, I mean, you know, running, left abandoned, ign- engine still on, they would have thought to do something a little bit more than just what they did next. So naturally, when you know, when you happen upon a car that has nobody in it, 
and it's quote unquote still running, if that was even the fucking case, you would call the owner, right? I mean, you would at least try to contact someone, especially your popo. Like I'm not I'm not talking about a regular civilian. I'm talking about a popo. You know, you have resources that we don't. So I would fucking try to call somebody. I would run the plates. I would look in the glove department and see if there's a registration in there and get the information for that person and contact them and say, hey, your fucking car's out here. Where the fuck are you at? Because honestly, this has happened to me before. No lie. Sidebar, I'm going to do a story. I don't think I've done a story yet so far. So yeah, this is pretty fucking cool, you guys. I got a new car. It was a 2018 Hyundai Kona, and I did not know how to operate it properly. All my other cars are kind of like older cars. I love them to death, but you know, they were seasoned baddies, and I never had a push to start. So I had push to start in this 2018 Kona, and apparently I parked out in front of my car after I got off of work at like five o'clock. Never went back out there. Um, just put gas in my car too. It was great. And then all of a sudden I get a phone or I'm sorry, a knock on my door, a popo knock at 5 30 AM. And they're like, Hey, yeah, someone called us because your car has been running all night. And I was like, you're shitting me. And I was convinced that somebody stole my fucking car, like convinced because it's like, it just didn't, it didn't work in my brain because it's like, how can a car be running if the key isn't in it? So yeah, just saying cars do run all night. Um, <laughs> forgot the whole point of that story, but just, yeah, cars and the running and the nobody being in it familiar with it. Okay. So like I said, <laughs> naturally when you don't know what a random vehicle is doing with nobody in it, what do you do? You call the owner, right? Wrong in this fucking case, according to the East St. Louis PD, because guess what they did? They just marked the car abandoned and they got it fucking towed. They got it fucking towed. Not only did they tow it, they did not even contact the person that the car belonged to. So on the title, I believe it was Miss um her mother's name. Yeah, her mother's name was on the title. So yeah, Miss Goldia. Her name was on the title. They didn't even contact her. They didn't even con- contact her and say, hey, we have your car. Come fucking get it. Nothing. So what? I think like, what, two weeks after they even found the car um, or the car was towed, they were able to find like a little hookup, the family was, and found out where the car was. And the family had to pay $1,000 to get the car out of impound. The family that is looking for their missing daughter right now. They had to spend $1,000 to get a car out of impound that probably should have never been an impound in the fucking first place, in the first place. So, yeah. So on top of that, when the family was finally able to access the car, they find that all of her belongings were still found in the car. You know what I'm saying? All her, her purse, um, her glasses, everything that she actually needed if she was going somewhere willingly yeah they were still in there and when the police finally got the car to actually do what the fuck they're supposed to which is collect evidence and investigate 
they basically said that there was no point because the SUV was moved around so many times that almost anyone could have access could have had access to it and had their way with it essentially so so far the police have fucked up just about everything let's make a list they fucked up when they didn't take the family seriously on the first day which like i i get why they didn't but still like you know come on number two they fucked up when they didn't run her plates through neighboring counties because even in the area that i live in now everything like you could be in one city and be in another one in the blink of an eye and have no fucking clue so it's kind of like you know do your due diligence here people but obviously they weren't fucking bothered with it Three, they fucked up when they made the family contact their connects to find the impound vehicle. So they weren't even contacted themselves. They had to play Dr. Sleuth and uh, Dr. Who and Sherlock, whoever. They had to do all this extra shit just to find their fucking car. Just insanity. And they fucked up, number four, by making the family pay a thousand dollars to get the car out of the impound you pieces of shit oh (laughs) last but not least they also fucked up when they was when they would not give the media okay they would not give the media the okay to cover the story okay so yeah i didn't want to make like take too much of a pause there because i don't want you guys to think that i was i don't know a fish that had just been gutted because that's how the fuck I feel right now. Like, could you imagine as her family having this happen? And then once they were given the final okay, like saying, yeah, I guess you can run the story. The family was told that her story just wasn't that interesting at that point. So yeah, my guts are on the fucking floor because this shit is inhumane and smells like shit. So yeah, fucked up. Um, so naturally the family being so strong and just, I mean, so diligent, they started putting up fires, um, trying to do anything they really could, just getting her name out, her face out, the word out, anything. The late ass police half-assedly took dogs out to the scene where her car was found. Obviously they found nothing because what the fuck do you expect to find at this point in fucking time? Nothing. (gasps) Hiccup, sorry. So fast forward about seven years. I believe it was in 2018 when Oxygen started developing a documentary kind of series. It's like a two-episode series um, talking about her disappearance. I think it's literally called The Disappearance of Phoenix Colden. So Coldon. So you can go ahead and definitely take a look at that if you just kind of want to know a little bit more. But as you know me, I'm probably going to paraphrase most of it just to give you guys a rundown of the information that was included. So a lot actually came out because of this, um, this Oxygen documentary. So let's get into it. Um, like I said, it brought out a lot of new details. And according to the documentary, remember that beat cop that answered the call? Yeah, he actually said that the car was off, doors were closed, and it was parked semi-normally. So it wasn't even like in the middle of the street. It wasn't like on the side, cocked all weird. It was just like a normal looking kind of car. 
Um, so it actually really did look abandoned. And to this day, no one knows who started that other extra ass story about the lights on, the doors open, all that extra shit. And um, for some reason, no one ever really cared to even interview the beat cop until honestly the oxygen oxygen people did, which I think is super weird. It's like, don't you think that detail is super important because it kind of gives an idea of the condition of her disappearance? How was she taken? Was it forceful? Was it not? Was it you know, more calculated? Did they actually take their time to close the doors? Are there fingerprints possibly on the door? You know what I'm saying? Um, they botched this shit so bad because like I said, the car was moved to so many different places. Anybody could have had contact with it. Anything could have been thrown in there, thrown out of there, you know, just anything. So kind of useless, honestly, at that point. Um, The documentary also uncovered a video that Phoenix made in her car while she was crying. And she was really pouring her heart out. And she was talking about how she couldn't remember the last time she was genuinely happy. She was talking about how she wanted to just pack up her stuff and just leave and just start over. And she even said that she would have been better off if she just stayed the way that she was. And I'm assuming that's like a goody two-shoe because that's how she always was before she, you know, went off to college and started living a life other than the religious one that she was used to. Um, So, yeah, that may have played a part in her whole situation. And now we're getting into the nitty-gritty, the juicy stuff, the tea, honey. Let me take a sip. Hold on. Awesome. So, as I said in the intro for this episode, we are going to get into some secrets that she had. Because my girl Phoenix, she had a couple secrets, okay? And they were a little bit juicy. So, get into this, okay? So, she lived with her boyfriend for two years. I'm just going to come out the gate. Yeah, she had a boyfriend. His name was Michael. (laughs) And she lived with this man. She moved in with him when she was like 19 years old. So while she was off in college and stuff, her parents had no clue, you guys. No fucking idea. And it was not a surprise at all that she would keep something like that from them because they were super controlling. So after she had to move back into the house with her parents, she wanted to slit her own wrist that's not a joke. Like, that's not something to make a joke about. Sorry. But I'm just saying, like, she was fucking miserable. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it a fucking buck. Um, she was miserable. And when she moved back in, they were just as controlling as she was as a kid. And they were even checking her phone bills. Which is, I know you guys pay the bill, but it's like, are you really, like, worried about who I'm talking to that much? That's what I don't think. I think with controlling-ass parents, it's like, do you really think you can stop especially when you're 23 years old. Do you really think you stop your 23-year-old from talking to someone? Like, I think you're reaching at that point. Um, (laughs) On one account, Goldia, which is her mother, admits that she had, like, an idea that Homegirl had a whole secret phone because, oh, yeah, did I mention that? Homegirl did. She had a whole separate phone that wasn't attached to the family plan. Um, so Goldia admits that she knew about it, kind of, and then on a separate account, she claims that her husband and her didn't know. 
I digress. It's not super, super important. The thing is, homegirl had a whole nother phone for some other sketchy ass shit that she was getting into. So let's dive into that. Um, <laughs> Through the snooping of her phone bill, her mom was able to pinpoint a number that Phoenix contacted a lot. And it happened to be a guy named Michael, which is the guy that was her boyfriend. And like I said, her parents didn't really know about. So it's kind of weird. Um, her parents, I mean, they, they, like I said, they claimed that they didn't know about the phone. Then they claimed that they did know about her extra phone or whatever. But according to her friends, the secret cell phone was used to communicate with Michael. So that's really weird that her parents or her mom was able to find Michael's phone number on her actual family plan phone when to her closest friends, they would have sworn up and down she was using the secret phone to talk to him. So her parents wouldn't see this stuff. So it gets a little hairy in this situation and you'll see why. So like I said, at this point, everyone is really confused about this phone thing. and. Honestly, they feel like Michael is someone that needs to be talked to. So um, they recommended that the police go talk to Michael. Not recommended. It kind of was just like, yeah, this nigga is sketchy and he has something to do with it. I just fucking know it and you need to look into him. So that's kind of what the police did, even though the police half-assed do absolutely everything. Um, in this situation, not all situations. Don't fucking crucify me, you guys. So, after her parents literally sick the police on her, or after her parents literally sick the police on him, um, they were trying to, you know, have contact with him, have conversations with him, and things like that. And he wasn't really like cooperative i want to say like he lied and said he hadn't talked to her the day she disappeared but in actuality he talked to her for six minutes that morning and she called him around 1 p.m that day and i'm thinking that was like kind of like right when she was getting out of church maybe just to kind of see what the fuck he was doing if she could come over later like we we will never know because her call was sent to voicemail so it wasn't they never spoke to each other after that point So through her phone records, they saw that they called each other and talked to each other multiple times a day for months at this point, you guys, for fucking months. Like they were having a a real thing. And like I said, they've been together for a good minute. She moved in when she was 19 with him. Like, come on. You know, they were having a fucking thing. This was a solid thing. Okay. And then when they took a look at his phone records, they found out that after homegirl called him. Um, at 1 p.m. after church, he never tried to contact her again. Like, ever. Like, not even once. Which is super fucking odd. Because you guys were talking multiple times a day for, I mean, you know, consistently for a months-long period of time. And all of a sudden, when she goes fucking missing off the face of the planet, you stop talking to her? Or calling her? Or looking for her? Yeah. He was a sketchy motherfucker. So. Um, talking about, <clears throat> he also talked about how he doesn't remember phone conversations that they had. So I believe the police were like, Hey, you were on the phone with her for like an hour, an hour and a half or something like this day. And I think it was a couple days before she died. And he's like, Oh yeah, I don't remember what happened in that conversation. I wasn't 
technically there. Like, I, I, I mean, I doubt he said that last part, but actually, I, I'm sure he did because he's he's just stupid. Not enough amount of brain cells to be considered. I don't know. He probably couldn't even stand trial. Like, just, just fucking ignorant. So, um, after the police had this conversation with him, they basically were like, hmm, guess he's not really a suspect. He's cool. No need to dig any further. We're good over here. Which did not sit right with the family, obviously. And it doesn't sit right with me, honestly, because what the fuck? Who does that? Your girlfriend's missing and you haven't said any, like, you don't even go looking for her? Like, this is fucking weird. So, Akira, Phoenix's best friend, who her parents hated, <laughs> which I thought was just funny. Like, even when I tapped, how I typed it, I literally wrote LOL. Um, they hated her because they thought she was a bad influence, but Akira said that Phoenix absolutely hated homeschool, okay, and the limited freedom that she had, and she was super excited to go to college and just live her life, you know, the way that she wanted to, without, you know, a fingernail in her asshole. So, Akira said after Phoenix moved back home from her se- or for her junior year, she became super fucking irritable and, like, kind of paranoid and, like, super just, like, frightful of everything. Like, she even claimed that someone was following her, which is really, really sketchy. And um, and then it came out later that that semester she wasn't even taking classes. She came home and, I guess, was lying to everybody by, like, nobody. I think Akira might have been the only one that knew. Like, nobody knew that she was being this fucking sketchy and just, you know, under the radar with her shit. So Akira also said that Phoenix and her, Phoenix and her, as in her Akira, got into an argument a week before her disappearance because Phoenix was being paranoid as hell and said that Phoenix even like, well, she didn't even, like she literally accused her best friend of talking shit about her and like trying to, you know, come for her basically. And Akira was like, Bitch, I wouldn't do that. Like, that's not how I roll. That's not how I rock. That's not me. I would never do that to you. And Phoenix didn't give a fuck what she was saying and pulled a knife on her. Yeah, fucking knife. So you can kind of see Phoenix is clearly unraveling. Whether it's emotionally, mentally, like something deeper is going on with her. And Akira was basically like, what the fuck is going on? Like, are you going to stab me, bitch? You're going to cut me up? Like, what are you doing? And she said, Phoenix just basically said, I'm just going to pack my shit and leave. And she basically left, got her shit and left and didn't say a fucking word at all. So that caught Akira way the fuck off guard. Cause she said, that's just not Phoenix. Like that's not in her, that's just not how she reacts, not how she behaves. So Akira then went to spill some more tea, bitch. Like she was going in, Akira like knew a lot. And I'm glad she finally came out and said some of these things because none of this stuff was really shared when Homegirl actually went missing eight years ago. Um, she spilled some more tea and said that Phoenix met a man. So Phoenix met another man, and this man's name was Mike. And they started to see each other, I guess. And this is the person that she was contacting on the second phone. This guy, Mike, not Michael. Michael was her man. Her, 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 
main man that she was talking to on her family phone, but Mike was who she was contacting on her side piece, side nigga phone. So she wouldn't get caught. It's like, that's messy as hell. Miss Phoenix. Miss Phoenix. Integrity is everything. I know, you know, you want two men, but you got to be in- integral about it. <laughs> you got to be integral about it. You just got to, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to deal with that juggling situation. I would probably be fucking terrible because I'm a shit liar. So anyway, on to more secrets. Miss Phoenix was also a thief, okay? Our little Phoenix was a little thief. She was stealing saving bonds from her own fucking parents. Yeah. So remember that, like, super smart, super um, talented, loving, religious girl? Not so much anymore. And this was said she was stealing these before she even moved in for that you know, that six month period or however long she was living there before she, um, sadly disappeared. She was still in them before she even moved back in the crib with her parents. So yeah, she was working on something, you know what I'm saying? And, um, while she was doing this, apparently she found her two birth certificates. She found she has two birth certificates, you guys. One, because remember she was originally born as phoenix reeves and then when lawrence gave her his last name it was changed to phoenix coldone so yeah two birth certificates that could come in fucking handy and maybe we'll see why (laughs) so apparently homegirl phoenix had a regular boyfriend then a secret boyfriend and she also had a secret apartment because she was living with homeboy, you know, yeah, for a significant amount of time, and a secret phone. So she was just essentially a whole secret different person. Okay. And like I said, her friends and family were basically none the fucking wiser. Insane. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So the police decided to track down her first man, you know, her official boyfriend, Michael. And they tried to get him to talk, um, but he was literally the most non-compliant person you can probably find involved in this case. Um, They literally had to catch this man leaving his house because he was ducking them and avoiding them like the plague. Um, He tells them to contact his lawyer so they do contact his lawyer, and then his lawyer's like, mm, you guys can totally talk to him. I I have no idea why the fuck you wouldn't be able to talk to him. So the police realize that he's basically just giving them the runaround. So they go back to try to talk to him again, and they just could not reach him. You know, they tried to contact him, wasn't answering. So they contacted his ex-girlfriend, who, guess what, had a straight a restraining order out on him. So it kind of speaks to his fucking character, which means it's either a shit character or he just has fucking none. No character. 
Um, apparently after a year and a half of them dating, he started becoming super abusive, uh, verbally, physically, just a fucking trash of a guy. So, um, they talked to her. She was pretty compliant. Um, she even told them that she caught him looking up missing persons cases. Now, okay. A little sketchy. If you're a crime junkie, shout out to crime junkies, or you're just like a true crime fanatic. Like I wouldn't put it past you to look up missing persons cases, but as far as this guy who is attached to a missing person and he's out here searching for it, it looks really sketchy. So, um, his girlfriend would be like, mm, what are you doing? What's going on? Why are you doing that? Um, and he would just be like, I'm just looking up cases. I'm a psych major. You know, I'm just, I'm just interested. And she said she caught him specifically looking at old girl's case, Phoenix's, Phoenix's case. And he was kind of, she said he was specifically paying more attention to like the police investigation. And she got a sense that he was maybe trying to just like see how much they knew, see how far they'd gotten with the investigation. Um, So she started pressuring him. To be like, I don't know, honest for once with her and tell her why he was looking up this shit. So she's like, look, why are you doing this? Like, you're being sketch. So like I said, he said he was a psych major. He's interested in the stuff. He cares. He wants to help. Bullshit, bullshit. But then after she started pushing him more because she's like, nigga, that don't even sound right. And that don't even sound like you. Um, He ended up admitting that she was an old customer that he used to work with and after his girlfriend was like i'm not fucking sold give me more he admits that they had a sexual relationship so this obviously started a huge fucking argument and fight because he was in a sexual relationship with phoenix while he was dating her so they get in a huge argument and apparently all of a sudden in like the heat of the moment he yelled why do you care so much about a dead girl anyway and that's a quote. That's a quote. So yeah, nobody knows that she's dead at this point. I mean, we don't we don't know if she's dead. We don't know what happened to her. So for him to say that, it's like super red flaggy. So when this shit get, got out, obviously everyone was looking at him super crazy and probably the police too because it's like, mm, hi police. He's talking some suspicious shit. He's doing some suspicious things. And you guys are like, oh, no, he's good. Not a suspect. Keep it moving. That's super sketchy, you guys. So outside of that, um, it is 2019 and Phoenix Coldone is still unfortunately missing. Um, her family is still holding up hope you know what i'm saying that she'll come out or she'll come back i'm sorry or they'll at least find out what happened to her so there are a few theories that people have thrown around regarding her disappearance and like you know why she may have disappeared how just the circumstances surrounding her disappearance so um one of the reasons or one of the ideas is that she was sex trafficked or she was like abducted 
So as I already mentioned, Coldone's car was found in the middle of the street, right? In a really shitty, creepy area. Apparently, they said it was still running. Either it was still running or it wasn't. I actually included a picture of the car. Now, I don't know if this is like how the police, they took a picture of it after they already looked in the car or if this is just how they found it when they first got on the scene. I'm not sure, but the door is open in the picture, um, but it doesn't seem like the car was running. So I don't know. You take it up for yourself because at this point, I don't think we'll ever fucking know. Um, the area that she was abducted or disappeared in is near this highway. It's Interstate 70, I-70. And it's also known for, it's super known actually for human trafficking, trafficking. And it's literally considered the sex trafficking highway of America. And that was quoted by an investigator named Shandrea Thomas. But I've seen in many places and many different sources where they consider it to be definitely like the number one place to go missing or to get trafficked in America. So... The St. Louis metro region is one of the top 20 areas in the country. Like I said, sorry, not the number one place, but top 20. Still fucking horrible um, for human trafficking, which is scary because I used to live in St. Louis and I wasn't at the age to where I could go out and do my own thing and have my own car and things like that. But it's still a scary idea to have that, you know, if I was still there... I'd have more of a probability of being human trafficked than I would where I live now, which I'm not telling you yet. <laughs> um, Theory number two is she just ran away, which is, well, okay, I'm not going to go. Okay, so apparently there is some validity to this because honestly, I was totally against the idea. I literally typed bullshit next to, the, <laughs> next to like, yeah, I typed it. Next to she ran away, I wrote bullshit. But apparently it may not be bullshit. So as we spoke about earlier, she was struggling emotionally. Um, she was acting a bit unstable, according to her friend Akira, who said that she pulled a knife on her ass, which is like, yeah, that's kind of a great sign of instability. Is that a word? Maybe, hopefully. I digress. And then if you take into account the video she made in her car, the video where she was talking about how she just wanted to start over, she wishes she never became the person that she is now, um, things like that. Plus her taking the semester off, you could definitely see a connection or have an idea of, you know, the possibility of her running away which I still don't think is like something that she would have really, really done because you have to think about it. Yeah. Her parents were super strict. Yeah. They were super controlling and stuff, but for the most part, I mean, they loved her. They doted on her as she was growing up. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have like a horrible relationship. Yeah. They argued and stuff. She was a fucking teenager. Yeah. They argued, but I don't think it was to the point of like her having to run away. But then again, young adults have a tendency to be super dramatic about things. I know this because I am a young adult and I am very fucking dramatic about most things. So you never know. And then on top of the emotional instability, you never fucking know what she might have done. 
Um, so like I mentioned earlier, our little phoenix, our little phoenix was a little thief. And she was stealing those savings bonds from her parents that added up to a couple thousand dollars, about $2,500. Nothing crazy. Definitely nothing you could like disappear on and live for a significant amount of time. Um, and there was no evidence that she spent this money before she disappeared, um, nor were the safety or the savings bonds found after her disappearance. So it is a possibility that she took them. Maybe I'm not really sure how savings bonds work or like the tracking for them. So that's a possibility. Also, remember those two birth certificates, one that has Phoenix Reeves and the one with Phoenix Coldone on it? Well, turns out the police used half of their brains for once in this case. And they thought, hey, maybe she could have just been planning to run away this whole time. And she ran away. She used her old birth certificate, Phoenix Reeves, and she's, you know, living her life somewhere as Phoenix Reeves. So they decided to look it up. And believe it or not, there was only four Phoenix Reeves in the whole entirety of the U.S., of America. And trip the fuck off this. One of them popped up two weeks after a homegirl's car was found. So two weeks after Phoenix's car, you know, was found abandoned, all of a sudden, a Phoenix Reeves that was not existing at two weeks prior to that or any time prior to that prior to that all of a sudden pops up now i will say i did actually watch a podcast or listen to a podcast today i think it was called crime crime something i'm going to look it up and let you know in a second um i was listening to their podcast and they were talking about the witness protection situation or how that works and come to find out they create obviously new names and things like that and a whole new social security number and stuff like that so people can literally pop up <laughs> out of nowhere with new information and new social security all these type of things if they're in that program um i doubt that my girl went into the program because the fbi would have at least communicated this to someone because you know, everyone was so concerned about her, but since they didn't, I don't think we'll ever know, which is fucking garbage. Okay. Okay. I found the podcast. It's called Criminal and I accessed it on Spotify. So yeah, you guys should definitely go take a listen to that. It's pretty good. And they interview people and stuff, which is, you know, pretty cool. Okay, so here are some reasons as to why I think and other people that I read about <laughs> that wrote about this think that she did not run away. One, because it was the week of Christmas. I think she she disappeared on December 18th um, and her parents, I don't know, they were just like a big, like I said, religious family and things like that were important to them. So she wouldn't have dipped a week before Christmas. It makes no sense in that regard. Plus her parents' car was in the shop. So literally the only car that the whole entire family that was living in that house could use was her car. 
So unless she was a completely like heartless Scrooge, <laughs> you get it? Because Scrooge and Christmas, yeah. Um, or the Grinch. Oh my God. If she was a complete fucking Grinch and just wanted to like un- inherently shit on her parents' like holiday season and she left, I don't know. I don't know. It just makes no sense. Plus, she didn't even take the car. So kind of like if she left, she might have left the car because she knew it was going to be found by someone that they would just give it back to her parents. Maybe that was her train of thought. I don't know. Either way, they said that she just would not have left. Plus, it was a shitty snowy time um, and she had no transportation because her car was left. So how did she get around? It's just not, it's just not likely that she would have like willingly left a car. I had no other transportation that we know of days before Christmas. Just not likely. Okay. So those are the theories that people have. Um, I don't really have a favorite. I mean, I think personally that something happened to her. I feel like something, unfortunately, something bad happened to her. Someone took advantage of her. Someone knew a way to track her down, or it was just a crime of convenience because she was in a weird area. I'm not sure. Um, like we said, she called her boyfriend after she got out of church to try to meet up with him, the actual boyfriend, not the secret boyfriend. Um, she called him to meet up with him after church. Maybe she got in her car and met up with him. Maybe he sent her a weird address um, in East St. Louis and she went out there and he attacked her. It's just, it's just, there's not much to go off of, unfortunately, in this case, which is why I hate, hate missing persons cases, hate unsolved cases, because it makes me rack my brain way longer than I probably should. And it sticks with me. So there has actually been a crazy possible sighting of her. I'm going to go a little bit into that. So a lady said that she was getting on a plane that was flying from Las Vegas to St. Louis. And she saw a group of black girls. It was like four of them. And she said they were really pretty, apparently. Bomb. Black girl magic. Let's go. And she said that she locked eyes with one. And all of a sudden, she said, Phoenix? Like, the woman said, Phoenix? And then the other girl that she, you know, locked eyes with, the girl turned around and was like, oh, do I look like someone? And then the lady was like, yeah, you look like my friend Phoenix. And then according to her, the Phoenix lookalike just walked off and said nothing else. I said no other words to her. So... This shook this woman up. This woman was shaking. I mean, she was apparently super fucking scared because it's like, you've been missing (laughs) for an extended period of time and this could be her and like, I don't know what's going on. So yeah, she was shaken up, like literally physically shaking. She was so bothered that she contacted the police as soon as she landed and the police tried to follow up. They tried to look for someone. They tried to get, you know, as much information as they could. But unfortunately, they weren't able to find anyone that matched the description that the lady provided. So that really sucks. Gosh, I could you imagine, like, seeing... I, I know she probably felt like she saw a ghost, honestly. 
because she Phoenix has been, you know, gone for so long. I think this was like, I don't know. I it didn't indicate what year this was, but this is, you know, a significant amount of time after she's been missing. So super, super heartbreaking. Like I told you guys earlier, she's still missing as of October 1st, 2019. Um, the family is still staying strong despite being tricked and conned out of thousands of dollars and despite losing their home. So just briefly about that, a very fucking sick individual that could catch these hands any time of day decided to contact the poor cold on family saying that they knew exactly where Phoenix was. They knew that she was taken to Texas and um, if they, I don't know, paid a certain amount of money or whatever they could, they would provide more information. So naturally the family shelled out a bunch of money to get PIs down there, um, you know, paying for flights, just all this, all this jazz to follow up on this lead just for them to eventually receive a note or like a letter or something saying that the person was basically bullshitting and they had no idea where their daughter was. So that's really fucking sad. It's really fucking sick. And it's a really shitty note to end on with this story. There are still missing um, things that you can find out there about Phoenix. If you have any information about her case, if you recognize her or anything like that from the pictures that I posted on the Instagram, please, please, please send me a DM so I can get it to the right authorities. Um, we just, I, I personally think that the family deserves to know what happened to their daughter and um, where she is. And if something did tragic happen to her, unfortunately, they at least deserve to be able to put her to rest. And that is our episode for today, ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> could have been worse, I feel. Also could have been better. We could know where she is, but that's okay. I think I actually didn't hate every moment of this. So thank you, Miss Camille, for requesting our first ever listener request episode listener requested episode super happy that you took your time out to message me and tell me what you wanted to hear it means a lot okay so on to one of my favorite parts of this entire fucking shebang ig shout outs let's go i think this is like we've done 30 already so we're on 40 fuck yeah also we Made it to 100 followers, which I already talked about. Fuck yeah. So, yeah. I'm excited. Let's get into it. Number one, at the underscore talkback underscore podcast. Hey, you guys. Podcast fam. What up? Number two, at this is the G podcast. Another podcast that I have to check out that I haven't checked out yet. Hey, what's up? Thank you for following. Number three, Miss at Camille Williams 7349 herself. The whole reason we are all here today listening about Phoenix Coldone. Thank you, lady. Thank you for your follow. Thank you for your kind words sent to my DMs. And I hope you continue to listen. Number four, at Dark Divide Pod. 
they are actually a fellow true crime podcast too. Woot, woot. Thank you guys for the fucking follow. Number five, at Crime Column. I love this page. They have like the best, I don't know what to call them, like pictures, memes, not really memes, but like pictures about crazy people over history, like murderers and just like, you know, information about them. Love it. Check it out at Crime Column. Number six, it's underscore all underscore about underscore him. Um, about who exactly? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hi. <laughs> Hi. You're welcome here. Despite whoever your shit's about, you're welcome here. Thanks for the follow. Number seven at Terrific Specs Podcast. Terrific Specs Podcast. Hey, you guys. Actually, you know what? Terrific Specs Podcast. You guys made me think that I'm going to start actually tagging um, the people that I mentioned on the IG shoutouts. I'm going to start tagging you guys on Instagram when I post the content about the episode i'm gonna tag you guys in that so you can kind of have an idea of when you can expect to hear your name so yeah thanks for that terrific specs podcast and thanks for the follow number eight at the true crime mama i love mamas hey mama welcome we both love true crime but we both are not mothers yet so yeah that's in the air for a hundred years from now. Number nine at Tanya1735. Hey girl. Hey. Thanks for the follow. Thanks for the likes, because you do be liking. I be seeing. And I appreciate you from my heart. And last but absolutely the fucking furthest thing from least at Stacy Lynn Wallace. That sounds like a perfect like mom name. It sounds like She's a mom with three kids. She has a career and she um, takes all her kids, still has time to take her kids to soccer practice and baseball. She just sounds like a gem. So, Stacy, thanks for the follow and thanks for being a gem. Well, that is all I have for you guys today. Please look out um, on the Instagram tomorrow. I will have a new guess who up there for episode, what episode, episode five? Fuck yeah, we're already on episode, for episode five, which I will release later this week. So just keep updated. I think you can do like, oh, let me know type of like notifications. Yeah, turn your notification thingy on for Black True Crime Podcast on Instagram so you can be notified when I post new stuff, when there's a new episode, when I have more stuff available for you guys to look at, when I have the Patreon up and running and creating dumb amounts of content that you guys can have access to for a small monthly donation. And yeah, that's it, you guys. I hope today was fucking incredible, and I hope you had a fucking incredible time here at Black True Crime. And guess the fuck what? I will see you guys later. <laughs> you have a right to kill me. You have a right to do that. But you have no right to judge me. <laughs> <laughs>